Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Irish NFL show. It is time for the week 17 review. But first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year, Christina, Brian, Gollum. All right. So we have uh, we have uh, an esteemed panel with us tonight, and Mark will be joining us at some point in the proceedings. So stay tuned. Okay. So it was a uh, it was a mad weekend of games. Even I watched the Panthers this weekend, guys, and was crushed at the end. But it's I suppose that's the way it goes, and uh, we'll get into that. In fact, maybe that's where we should start. So I suppose. The way I describe it as a as a non-expert like your unlike yourselves is for three and a half quarters, the Panthers were gonna win. And it was looking brilliant. And I was like, this is ridiculous. They they might actually do this. And then Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. And I swear to God, I was sitting with my mother-in-law and father-in-law who were over for, for the holiday season, and they're Panthers fans. And I said, Ah, Tom Brady, he can only do the short passes now. When he immediately threw a massive long pass to Mike Evans and that was the beginning of the end. Uh, although they kind of almost hung on at the very end there. But anyway, enough of me. I want to hear from you. So um, maybe I'll start with you, uh, Brian. What was your take on it? And is it just Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things? A uh, combination of Brady and, I would say, some poor play by the Panthers secondary. You're right, like for, for three and a half quarters, it looked like it was the, the game was there for the, the Panthers. You have a quarterback, Sam Darnold, who... Puts up 340 yards and throws for three touchdowns. And they're not the kind of numbers we're used to seeing from Sam Darren throughout, throughout the course of his, his career. But he must be wondering today how he hasn't come out on, on the winning the winning side. He goes in and puts a performance like that. And they look like the game was there for him. And look, we did call out on the show Thursday. There was a concern around the secondary of the Panthers. Uh, Jackson was out. Uh, JC Horn was ruled out during the week. They're really key players for them. They had players, uh, Taylor and Henderson, playing who were just not at that level. And they got exposed, and Mike Evans, who hasn't had a touchdown since week four, he's had a very off-season. His connection with Tom Brady throughout the course of the year hasn't been great. He goes and has a big game, 10 receptions, 207 yards, a monster game, three touchdowns. And you're right about these bombs in which Brady was throwing. I was looking at today, 63-yarder, 57-yarder, and a 30-yarder touchdown. He came back, they did, the column called it out last night in social engagement. He referred to Fergie time and, you know, uh, very getting into players' heads and, and into managers' heads, and Brady just seems to have that knack of getting into opposing defensive coordinators' heads, and, and they got away from what was working for large parts of the game, and it's a really disappointing one for the Panthers because it looked like they had the momentum to go and win that game, and, and the Bucs are in the playoffs, but judging by what we saw and the fact that Sam Darnold can go and put 340 yards on that defence, um, they're going to play the Cowboys in all likelihood now with the, the offence that the Cowboys have going into the playoffs. I find it very difficult to see how the Bucs can can win that game but look Brady has a way of doing these things when no one expects it um, big win but disappointing for a team with the pants that looked like they had all the momentum everybody was playing for the coach to, to finish the game in, in the way it did in the manner it did so big win for the Bucks. disappointing loss for all the Panthers fans yeah big time and indeed uh, Tom Brady just constantly still surprising Christina what's your take on it I mean He's a former Patriot, to say the least. Uh, were you surprised? Not surprised? What happened You know there? what? We've seen this through the years with Patriots. We've actually seen Tom Brady pull his socks up when he needs to pull his socks up. You could really see, though, at the end of the first half, he was visibly upset with everyone. Goodwin lost a fumble. Ryan Suckup missed a field goal. You know, 
it was just everything against the books and it was all Carolina. And then you've seen them come back and him and Mike what a duo. Absolutely amazing altogether. You know, Darnold just really proved to be so inconsistent in the second half. It just seemed that it was like everyone in the defense had just given up and it just was a horrible deja vu when Mike Evans took that second touchdown. It really just was horrible to watch coming towards the end. I really feel for Panthers. They really done great. You know, I've got some really good um, Carolina friends who were screaming that, you know, Panthers are doing what they normally do, which is suck at the start of the season. And then when it matters coming towards the end of the season, that's when they really start to rally around. And then that completely screws up their draft pick. Um, but look, at, we'll see what's going to happen next week with Tampa for sure. If they keep this momentum of a really crappy start and then a second finish, I don't think it's going to cut the mustard coming towards the playoffs. Yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, and you're right. It was classic sort of Panthers thing. Even my Panthers loving uh, in-laws were sort of going, you know what? Like we had this crazy shot here uh, suddenly at the end of the season when we really shouldn't have had a shot. So uh, I guess I can't be too disappointed, nor can they, but still, it makes me dislike Tom Brady even more, if that's even possible. Anyway, uh, moving on to the second game. And look who just joined us. Hello, Mark. Um, everyone. I just, I just, I just, just in time, Kelly, to hear you slandering the great and immortal Tom Brady. Yes. But that's okay. Yes, yes. We will pass it. Well, uh, Yes, let's not talk about Tom Brady any more than we have to. Uh, let's move on to the next game, which is actually the Broncos and the Chiefs. And speaking of fans with crushing sort of moments of last minute and very close games, uh, Colm, I'm sure you were slightly disappointed at the narrow margin here, but uh, Chiefs once again pulling it out. And I, I don't know, the Chiefs are just kind of amazing at doing this sort of stuff. Um, Maybe I'll go to you first, Colin. What 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 was your takeaway from the game, and and what what did you see? Uh, the the Chiefs just always have the. I mean, this is fifteen wins in a row, and it doesn't seem to matter what the the Broncos do. I will say, and this goes, I think, across all fa fandoms, uh, across all sports. Um, the Broncos were absolutely shafted by the referees yesterday in terms of the offensive DPI call, in terms of the Frank Clark being offside, in terms of uh, roughing the passer. But the Broncos also got away with it a couple of weeks ago when Kareem Jackson used DeAndre Hopkins as a, a climbing frame and didn't get called for DPI. Fans tend to ignore that all the time. Um, I have no doubt that we might hear that from, um, you know, Christina or Mark next weekend or Mr. O'Leary in the playoffs. Um, we Cognitive dissonance means that, you know, we ignore what happens um, and, and how our own team benefits. Um, and so we, we focus purely on how the referees have done us wrong. So that's what the Broncos are, are going to focus on. They're also going to focus on the fact that it was a close game. But I would say that the Raiders, all, you know, ran the the league's informed team close. Does that mean that um, Stidham is the, the long-term answer for them? Um, I, I think the, the Broncos had to put up a performance after all that went on during the, the week, but um, there will be a lot of soul searching to be done. And I think what you're seeing um, already is that the, a lot of the talk has been around Harbaugh uh, with Michigan losing um, to TCU, the I suppose rumors are that talks may begin this week. Um, look, all, all you can say is that will be one to keep an eye on. And 
to the Chiefs. Andy Reid gets his second 13-win uh, season uh, in just the past three years and has never had a losing season. They are phenomenal. As long as he is there, they will be in with a, with a chance. But you would have to say that um, they too will have to up their game when the playoffs roll around. No doubt. And as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, I think Mike, they might have a fighting chance too. Um, Mark, seeing as you just came in there, I'd love to get your take on it as well on the Broncos Chiefs one. Yeah, sure, Kelly. I mean, I, I know I was watching this game and kind of wondering, did the Broncos players really hate Nathaniel Hackett that much that it was just a concerted effort to get him fired? And as soon as he got fired, they said, oh, well, we're going to start playing football again. Um, because clearly that Broncos team that turned out yesterday was not the same team that was definitely playing on Christmas Day, it was not the same team that's been playing for months this season. Um, they actually looked like a cohesive unit. Was it all Nathaniel Hackett? Were the players conspiring in many respects? I know Colin's reaction, some people's reaction might have been, well, a lot of it was on Nathaniel Hackett. And uh, it was a pure uh, example of addition through subtraction, effectively. But you rightly called out Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he passed more milestones uh, at the weekend, over 5,000 yards. I think only the second player after Drew Brees to go over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in two seasons in all time. And he's done it within the traditional 16 games. He hasn't needed that pesky extra 17th game to screw up uh, stats uh, across the board. Uh, Chris Jones really performed for the Chiefs when they needed to. But for the most part, it was a super sloppy game by the Chiefs. They almost, Colin, I mean this in the nicest possible way, they almost played down to the Broncos. There was a, a fumble punt return. There was a snap. There was a botched uh, extra point. There was a blocked field goal. Uh, there was Patrick Mahomes trying a super trendy little flick, getting intercepted by Justin Simmons. They, you know, it was never, I don't know, watching the game, I kind of felt like, yeah, they're losing, but they're going to come back in this. They've got way too much talent. They're way too much good a team over um, the Broncos to let it slip away. And that's how it ultimately proved. Again, punctuated by another Russell Wilson interception uh, late in the game, just when they needed Broncos needed him to stand up and step up. But it would have been a really costly loss, obviously, if they had. I mean, the, the Chiefs are still there with a the chance of getting this number one seed. The Knights Monday night football game is going to be absolutely crucial to that between the Bills and the Bengals, with the Bengals obviously still having an outside chance. But if they'd lost, they would have been really thrown away that advantage. But sloppy game, they can play better than that, and they've got bigger tasks ahead uh, for the rest of 23. Bigger tasks ahead indeed. Um, okay. Well, listen, let's move on um, to game three then. So we're going to talk about the Dolphins at the Patriots. And uh, – on the previous show, you all went for the Patriots, and I think you were all sort of saying you reckon they'd edge it, and that's what happened. It was 23-21, if I'm right. Um, so Dolphins, though, they they, they still have this this, Patriot, this playoff chance in Week 18, depending on the Pats going next week. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe, Christina, can I go to you first on this one? Look, Bill Belichick just goes to show he is actually still one of the greatest coaches in the NFL history simple as you know we really came back this week we've had a really really terrible run I think what's been really interesting is that Mac Jones this week had the offense on his side he was able to play he looked less childish which is something I've been preaching about for quite some time is his antics on the ground and I can see Mark go you know smiling about that but let's look at Miami it was their fifth loss in a row 
you know, I really blindsided these guys coming into this game. You know, Bridgewater came in, he took over for Tua, but he had to leave due to an injury in the third. And then all of a sudden the pick six happened and that's when Patriots started to take momentum. I do think the defense was what kept us going on the day for sure. And it's something that, you know, it was it was a bit of a strange one. Both QBs were kind of coming together for, you know, Miami had a second QB on the field. You know, it's not great. It's not how they wanted to be. Tua coming back. There's rumors of him coming back next week or the week after. I'm sorry, we don't need another Antonio Brown element coming onto the pitch because it's actually a year ago today since Antonio Brown took off his shirt and waved and left that. We don't want to see Tua do that in a year's time. Um, how we're going to be next week? Don't think it's going to be as good or as strong next week. I was talking to Brian about this already today. I just don't feel we've got that kind of strength to be able to go up against the Bills. But look at, we'll see how it goes. And I can see Mark is sitting there, kind of Mark being a big Pats fan as well. He's agreeing with me on the Belichick, may not agree on other things, but I'm telling it as it is. I've been a huge fan for quite a long time. And I can see that, you know, we've got another year of rebuilding to do for sure. Well, I'll go to the other Pats fan. Lord of mercy, folks. We have two Pats fans on the show tonight. This is this is hardcore. Mark, what, what was your take on it? I saw you smiling away there. I, I was because, look, um, the Patriots should have won. They did win. It's, again, not going to change any of the narratives been swirling around. The offense was better than it has been. It still wasn't super efficient. Were they relying upon return touchdowns in every game. I mean, I, I, I actually texted a friend of mine um, being very frustrated through halftime saying that we need the traditional pick six in the second, third quarter now to get back on track because we've got it in the last three, uh, well, we've got a return TD in the last three games, pick six in the last two. Um, and sure enough, it turned up. And without that, the Patriots aren't winning the game. And obviously at the end, uh, Dolphins get a touchdown. There's an onside kick attempt, but with Skylar Thompson in place, if the Patriots didn't finish out, it'd be very worrying. I think what's more relevant is just having a little look at what's happened to Miami. And indeed, might as well throw in the New York Jets here. It is absolutely crazy. A few weeks ago, we were rightly lauding how everyone in the AFC East was above 500 and was playing great. The Dolphins and Jets were turning their fortunes around. Now, the Dolphins have been wrecked by injuries, especially to Tua. It's a bit like how the Ravens season fell off the wagon with Jackson getting injured last year. Um, but they've lost five in a row. The Jets have lost four in a row. The Patriots winning two out of six have been the hot team in the AFC East in terms of going for this wild card. Um, and the Steelers, obviously, as we know, and we'll come to in due course, have come back into it. That absolute wheels falling off the wagon of multiple teams at the same time. And we can talk about the Patriots throwing away games against the Bengals and the Raiders, for example, as well in that, showing that they have not been immune and they've been definitely not playing great. It's almost been like uh, who actually wants this seventh seed, the seventh wild card, because um, it's been a bit of a stumble to the line, uh, to say the least. Um, so that's been part of the biggest story. Mike McDaniel, great first season in many respects for the first half. The second half has been a nightmare for him to try to coach through um, and, and indicative of some of the challenges the Dolphins have. And finally, I'll just say what Christina echoed about uh, Tua. Like, I mean, I think he's only third concussion of the year. Like, there is a bigger piece about the man's well-being, uh, especially in the circumstance of his first concussion at the start of the season where he was kept on the pitch where... He was clearly affected. Um, McDaniel said they're holding him out. They are thinking of his long-term future. Um, I really hope that is the case. 
um, because that's scary scenarios and situations. No doubt about it. Um, okay, well, um, we'll move on to the next game, and we're we're talking about the Vikings at the Packers here. Um, so, from a four and eight record, the Pack have run the table, and they're now one win away apparently from making the playoffs. Um, and they did have a, a win, a dominant win. My God, it was a big score against pretty lackluster Vikings. Um, I mean, really. From what I could tell, I didn't watch the game, but it was pretty much over by half time, as far as I could tell. Um, maybe Colm, do you want to give us your take on on this one, the 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 Vikings and the Packers? Yeah, Kala, there were a number of games that were pretty one sided yesterday, but I would argue that the Packers were the most dominant team on the day. They beat up on the Vikings every which way imaginable. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, truly had a, a nightmare. Justin Jefferson could have been ejected, ended up hitting a ref similar to Jerry Judy a few weeks ago, and nothing went right. Even the stories that are coming out um, of the Vikings camp today only make things sound worse. The Vikings had talked about Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff had preached about wearing uh, seven uh, studded cleats in order for grip, um, but a lot of the players didn't listen and they were falling all over the place at the beginning of the, the game yesterday. Kevin O'Connell is talking about it being a teachable moment. Um, for the 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 Packers, they you know there was a lot of talk from them in the run up to the game, and they absolutely backed it up. Um, it will be an interesting one next week. They are going up against a divisional rival in the the Lions, who defensively um, haven't been good, offensively have been good, an awful lot on the the line. But we have already seen Tom Brady book his place to the playoffs. Um, will we see Aaron Rodgers do likewise? Will we indeed? Um, and Brian, what, what what was your take on this one? The Vikings have been underdogs in four games this season. Um, the Buckies know what they're talking about. They've lost all four games. Um, and yesterday was quite a dominant game. I haven't had a Kirk Cousins rant since since August, so now, now here's the time. Here we go. Um, he's, he's thrown for 623 uh, passes this season, as opposed to 561 at this stage last season. More passes, less touchdowns, double his interceptions, his QBR rating is down. But yeah, he's having a fantastic season. Kirk Cousins is what I always thought he was. He's good and he's manageable. But when you put him in a situation like in Green Bay, when you really want him to step up, it doesn't materialise. And ultimately, I think that's why they're going to lose out in the playoffs. And they've already fallen back now. The two seed looks like it's gone for them, which means they're going to have to go on the road very early in the playoffs. And I imagine that's when they'll quickly be shown again to be the team that they are. Look, the coach has done a great job this year. But this game yesterday, we all picked the Vikings. We felt that, they, we felt that this Packers run was a bit misguided in a sense because of the teams in which they've beaten but they showed yesterday that they really are on a, on a hot streak i mean their game is over so early and the mistakes as well by the vikings i mean you've got a special teams touchdown early followed by an intercept a pick six interception i mean aaron Rodgers was the guy that we all thought would come out and maybe he's the guy firing around off the pass and they'd win the game through him they didn't have to really do that because the vikings gave it to them they handled them with special teams and interceptions it's kind of similar to what we saw a few weeks ago against the colts they managed to come back in that game against a very poor cold side, obviously, Packers right now. And defensively, yesterday for the Packers, a lot better than what we've seen throughout the course of the season. They were quite dominant. And it's a big win for them, big game for next week. But for the Vikings, I'd be concerned going into the playoffs. Mark, yeah, I saw you itching to get in there. What, what Did you have a thought? 
And I was just going to say a couple of weeks ago, Halle, I think the um, Packers going into the Bears, and I said, well, they're going to beat the Bears, but this whole them going to the playoffs is nonsense because then they have the Dolphins and the Vikings and the Lions. And I said, they'll beat the Bears, but they won't beat the Dolphins, they won't beat the Vikings, and they won't beat the Lions. Uh, well, two or three have been proved wrong. The serving of humble pie is cooking nicely in the oven just as we speak, uh, and I'm getting ready to eat it. I, I hope and pray for Dan Campbell's Lions, but we assume actually just a point on this we assume that the packers lions is going to be the late sunday night game uh everything seems lined up for it tennessee jacksonville has already been scheduled in for the month saturday night which is the only other division title kind of real big playoff push so it's probably likely it's going to be a sunday night game if it is detroit may be eliminated already if the seahawks win the game early on so everything the atmosphere at lambeau field is all gearing up in the right way for the packers so Everything's leaning in their favor. I have to say one thing. Last night, um, the atmosphere of the Packers, you watch the Raiders game and you see 49ers fans infiltrating it, Chargers games, everyone's infiltrating it. There wasn't a single Vikings fan, if they were lucky, anywhere within Lambeau Field. That atmosphere was electric and a credit to Green Bay and the franchise overall. Yeah, sorry, Mark, you're right. Sorry, in the last hour, the NFL have confirmed the schedule for Sunday. The pack game is Sunday night football. Yeah. I hadn't seen it, but I guessed it. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll move on. We've lots more to discuss. So the next one we're going to talk about is um, the Saints at the Eagles, and um, this is a this is one I actually didn't see. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to uh, to column on this one. But I know the Eagles have been charging ahead for a while here. But how did it go yesterday, and what was your take on it? Well, we talked, I suppose, Kala, about the fact that. Um, Lee, I, I was feeling that Lane Johnson being out was a huge problem. And also, I think Jalen Hurts, uh, his MVP campaign has nearly benefited from the past two weeks because anyone who had any uh, idea that you could slot anybody in to the Eagles setup and they would have success. Well, Gardner Menchu may have had a nice pass to AJ Brown yesterday, um, but that was about it. The Eagles stuttered and sputtered on offense. They were, they just could not get anything going. And the Saints love to play spoilers when they get the opportunity. Cam Jordan was at his wrecking ball best, three sacks. And um, you know, the, the Saints defense ha can be very good, um, has been very good at, at times this year, maybe not lived up to quite its billing, but ultimately on offense is where they have struggled. Um, I think they have a, is it a, I think Jeff, Jeff Duncan tweeted a zero or a 0.09%. So a less than 1% um, chance of making the, the playoffs technically they they could if every single thing fell into place but for them I think it's about trying to figure out the QB position trying to figure out if Dennis Allen um, is the the answer and what compensation ultimately they might get for Sean Payton and for whom for the Eagles it's all about trying to win next week against the Giants indeed Technic technically right technically we could win the euro millions if we get the right numbers this year right column um okay christina what about you what was your take on that one the 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 the, the, the saints and eagles wow i was just blown away completely but it just goes to show as well how marshawn Lattimore is actually crucial as well to the saints team you know he's been out with a dumb abdominal injury i can't even say the word 
And he really came back with a bang yesterday, for sure. You know, Minshew had interceptions. He had yards, touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I just don't think the Eagles were able to gel yesterday. I think they were blindsided as well. I really think they came out into that pitch going, we're going to do it. This is what we've been doing the whole way through the season. But that's not what happened. The Saints really came out and wowed us all. I have a mini Saints fan inside, and she was even shocked when we were going through the game today. She was actually shocked. Um, so, you know, it, it's just one of those things. The Eagles will keep flying, but will they be able to go up against the Giants next week unless Jalen Hurts comes back properly and he's completely okay? I don't think so. And we need to be very careful when we're talking about the Eagles because we must remember the Eagles are completely full of injuries. A lot of their teams are all injured and they're going to have to bring back their their greatest players to be able to get through the Giants next week and then to be able to go into the playoffs. Are you going to risk Jalen Hurts for that? Or are you going to be able to go up against the Giants? And it just, it it kind of screams to me, what type of team is the Giants going to put out next week as well? Indeed. The Eagles will keep flying, but perhaps the Saints will fall. And we know what happens to Saints who fall. All right. Um, indeed. So let's move on then to the Colts at the Giants. Uh, Brian smiling. I see his... Is, Bar- is it a Barkley jersey you have up there behind you, Brian? Uh, and very, very chuffed you are too. Um, it I know you did. I thought, <laughs> I thought it. Uh, it's a, it's a playoff Saquon Barkley. Okay, very good, obviously, and uh, that's uh, that's what they did secure their place in the playoffs. Uh, so a thirty-eight ten uh, victory. So uh, let's let's maybe go straight to you, Brian, and and talk us through. You were you actually watched this one up at the Woolshed yesterday here in Dublin. I did, I did. It was a bit surreal watching a Giants game where they're winning so comfortably because that's not what Giants fans are used to. Um, I think it's the most. I think it was the first time in something like five or six years they had such a dominant win. Um, I said on the show Thursday that I didn't think they would get caught up in, get caught up in terms of the emotion of the occasion. That Brian David would have them uh, laser focused for this game, and, and it pretty much played out as as I expected. I mean, the opening quarter was a bit scrappy, but 24 unanswered points in the second second quarter. I mean, the Giants have been struggling to put 24 points in most games throughout the course of the season. All of their wins have been very close scores around the 19, 20 marks, so to put or 24 points. And there's a few players yesterday that were have big games and, and no more than the quarterback, Daniel Jones, who looks like now is going to get the contract in which he, he probably deserves after the season in which he's had 91 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 177 yards, and two strong touchdowns. Like in fairness, they're playing against a very poor Colts team. That you know it was very evident come second quarter that these guys are already thinking about their holiday. But they did what they had to do. And for Giants fans who've been waiting a long time to see them back in the playoffs, it was it was a great feeling last night, and uh, it was also very good to be in the bullshit because there was quite a number of Giants fans enjoying the occasion. But look, um, they're in. It's a bit weird to be in with a game to spare, and obviously this game against the Eagles on Sunday. Brian Dable today said he will do what's best for the team, so he's going to keep his cards close to the chest. And who would have thought that the Giants would be going in with nothing to play for, and it'd be the Eagles? If three or four weeks ago, everybody would have thought the, the Eagles will be resting up. The Giants will have to win that game to get into the playoffs. It's actually gone full circle now, with the risk of the Eagles potentially losing out, and that number one seed. So it makes for an interesting game on Sunday. But I'd imagine bearing in mind the Giants are going to play the likelihood being the Vikings the following week. I think you'll see a lot of players rested come Sunday. Fair enough. Well, uh, remain happy for now. You never know what could happen next. Uh, <laughs> Mark, what's what's your takeaway from that particular game? Um, two main things stand out, Kelly. Um, first of all, it looked in the first few minutes it was going to be a very nervous night for the Giants. Uh, the Colts put a drive together. They stopped the Giants, I think, on their first drive. 
and um, I was I was feeling for Brian and feeling that the the nerves might have been increasing gradually in that regard. And then they illustrated in all the different facets just how and why they're actually back in the playoffs. Their defense stood up, uh, got turnovers, caused hell for that Colts offense. Daniel Jones, as we've said, you know, he's not necessarily going to win you a game on his own. But last night was probably, Brian, I don't, you would know better, but seemed like his best game as a giant ever. Multiple touchdowns passing, multiple touchdowns receiving, stood up and made the plays when he needed to. And receivers from all over the place were making plays for them. There were no drops. They were they were getting open uh, and Jones was delivering strikes. And it was very clear, like, by the end of the second quarter, the game was over. Um, they put the pedal on the medal uh, and the rest was a bit of a coronation. Um, on the flip side, who wants that Indianapolis job? Seriously, who in their right bloody minds would want it? Um, you know, we... We laughed, we laughed and criticized the Jeff Saturday appointment when it happened. He then won his first game and made us all kind of uh, try to eat a bit of humble pie. They they then played very competitively in the next game. In the last two and a half games, uh, they've been appalling. Ever since that, uh, they were 33 up against the Vikings. It has just been a calamity. They talk about Jim Harbaugh, you know, going back to the Colts because he used to quarterback there at one point. Why? Why would he want to? I mean, Colin, you're right with the vacancy of the Broncos. The Walmart money checkbook is open, um, and you've probably got more to play with there with a really dominant defense than you have in the Colts. They've not fixed the quarterback position in five years. Um, ever since Andrew Luck retired, it's just been a cycle of old retread veteran quarterbacks and everything. I mean, God, I'm surprised they're not looking for Tom Brady to go there in age 46 year kind of fits the bill a little bit. He's probably actually too talented to go there, to be absolutely honest, in terms of what they've turned out. I genuinely thought, actually, Matt Ryan was a good pickup at the start of the season, and they've treated him with, with even less respect than the Falcons, which is saying something. Um, Jim Irsay is a lunatic, uh, and I think that's putting it mildly. Um, it, it is just horrific. It has been a car crash of all car crashes this year. And it's being perpetuated by some dreadful defeats in the last few weeks. But they're, you know, in the trash uh, at the moment uh, and need to fix a lot of things. We should be more focusing on and lauding the Giants. Brian, um, six years, far too long for you to be out of the playoffs. I know I can't wait to hear the playoff predictions as to how you're going to transpose all this into a Super Bowl victory as you have done for your last two come from wildcard slot with the Giants. But uh, fair play to the Giants and God love uh, fans of the Indianapolis Colts. Callum, sorry, quick one. Oh, Brian, you, ha you can't let that go. <laughs> what do you want to say there? No, whatever about Super Bowl runs, America, what I would say is, I'll tell you, we'll give the Vikings a very good game come that wildcard game. We only lost out to a 61-yard field goal last week in a game which we had three critical errors. I would oh. I don't doubt that one, Brian. It's the three you have to win after that. That's one, that's one at a time. Let's just focus on the uh, Sunday week. Here, you know what? The Panthers nearly made the playoffs, so anything can happen. All right. Uh, we'll uh, we'll break maybe for a few comments if there's any coming in, Brian. Do you want to flash those up? And just a reminder to folks, uh, please do share your comments. Uh, if you want to talk about Humble Pie, which has been a big theme tonight, or indeed any of the games or any of the players, uh, 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 Brian, take it away. There's plenty of stuff in tonight, so a lot of... Uh... Good wishes for a happy new new year. Um Fred is in around the Cowboys on the fifth seed. Um obviously we just touched on earlier, they're gonna play against the Bucks and 
you know, was still be the road team, you would expect them to be the favourites for that game. Bearing in mind um, how, how the books played yesterday. Uh, Steelers, there's a massive solid last night, or the fairness of the Chargers. I think we're going to come to the Steelers game later on, obviously a big win against the Ravens on Sunday night football. Um, Brian is a happy man. A lot of, lot of well wishes for me to well, well hold on, Brian. One thing on the Cowboys. Can't the Cowboys still make the first seed? Of course, we're assuming. We are assuming that the Eagles are going to win on Sunday. That may not be the case. Well, I mean, the Cowboys should be still looking at division titles. Still potentially, I think they can still make number one seed actually as well, but they can win the division still at least, definitely. Yeah, they would need the 49ers to slip up to get to the number one seed. But, uh, that, that's all for the time being, Cal. Okay, come back short. that's great. Well, yeah. keep the comments coming in, everyone. All right, we're going to go quick fire through uh, a couple of these, and maybe I'll just open the floor on each, and if uh, if anyone has anything in particular they want to say about it, uh, jump in. So I'm going to start with the Chargers, who had a pretty easy win against the Rams. So the Battle of Los Angeles, where American football is huge and Hollywood is nothing. Uh, anyone want to talk about that one? 31-10? No. Not a one of you. Couldn't care less. It's completely pointless. And just like the LA fans think it is. I know. Cali, big, big win for the Chargers in terms of continuing. They still have designs on upping their standing in terms of the wildcard slots as well. Um, with the Ravens um, losing to the Steelers, that, that helps them significantly. So they would much rather go into Jacksonville or uh, Tennessee uh, as opposed to uh, a slot of one of the hotter teams, shall we say, in the AFC. That would be a better wildcard path for them. So it is important for that regard. However, I will just share this tidbit. Uh, Peter King, Football Mall in America, must read as always. But he did share that out of the 100 top TV markets in the US, 98 of them were watching the Vikings Packers in that late night window on cable. Uh, only San Diego and downtown LA were blocked uh, with the uh, with the Chargers game and uh, Rams game. It, you know, you wouldn't have believed it. A local rivalry featuring the defending Super Bowl champions late in the season, both, temp, you know, kind of highly touted to be going for their division titles and really not a whole lot on the line. You also wouldn't believe Baker Mayfield be playing quarterback for one of them either, but that's... Uh, that's a totally different there. discussion, yes, but indeed... Yeah. Um, perhaps lots of people were stuck in the cinema watching Avatar, which is three hours plus, I might add. It's a long time to watch cartoons. Um, okay, uh, so let's go for the next one. Falcons uh, taking a late win there against the Cardinals. Pretty close one, actually, 2019. Any thoughts on that one, team? Uh, Christina or Brian? As a, for the Falcons, it'll be a season of what ifs. I mean, there's so many games this year that they've... They've had a great opportunity to win. They've let slip. I was thinking last night of the one in Washington that they lost, and obviously last week against the Ravens, and it, it kind of went a different way this week. You know, they didn't need it for for large parts of this game. It looked like it was the one that the Cardinals were going to put put away and win, and they found a way to get over the line. It's look, it's a nothing game for both sides, but both sides are going to have a very intriguing off season. Um, I'm not convinced uh, Cliff Kingsbury will remain as head coach of the Cardinals. The GM has obviously been absent. Um, now for health reasons which even that's been questioned by a number of people a number of reporters in, in the Arizona area and then obviously for the Falcons like, there's, look, there's good potential with them they've got some good players there the head coach seems to have all the you know a good relationship with all the players we saw earlier in the season when he was opening cans of beer and drinking with them when they were having a little bit of a, a run um, they need to get the quarterback situation sorted obviously they're playing the rookie from 
last April now, but right now we're not sure whether he's is the long term solution. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the coming the off season. It, it was it's it's not really a game you really any of us would would be uh, watching again or writing home about. Fair enough. Um, and did you say he was drinking cans of beer with the team? I did, I, or was I imagining? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. He was. He, he was cracking a few open after after a big win earlier in the season. Oh, yeah, okay. good, good right. rallying call to to help his relationship with the players. Yeah. It was it was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's talk about the Jags blowing out the Texans thirty-one-three. Uh, Colin, maybe you give it give us a thought on that one. Uh, yeah, so again, the, the Jags end yet another hex in what has been a season for them doing that. And, excuse me, they will welcome the Titans uh, to Jacksonville with the division title on the line. And for the Titans, a team that hasn't won a game in December has never made the playoffs. Now, given I just talked about ending hexes, Maybe the Titans can be the one to turn that around. That will be interesting to see. But certainly the Jags have hit form at the right time. And when you are pulling your starters, uh, essentially uh, as soon as, uh, you know, they've kind of played the, the first series after uh, halftime, that tells you just how uh, easy this was. Trevor Lawrence looked nigh on immaculate his play was nearly as good as his hair uh, in that first half and he um is truly i i i mean by the end of this year we could be genuinely talking about him being a top five uh qb in this league his ascendancy is uh that that startling at this point um the week 18 winning in uh, is going to be mouth-watering and for the texans uh, once again, they uh, ha have to figure out who they are, what they're about, because it doesn't appear to be playing football. Indeed. And Trevor Lawrence's luxuriant hair is surely the MVP every week, I think, Colin. You're on, on to a winner there. Okay, uh, maybe, Christina, I'll go to you for the last one in our rapid fire here. The Lions just uh, they decimated the Bears 41-10. Talk to me about this and what, what it means. It is crazy. The Lions last week, we were talking about them and it really did look like they were nowhere near playoff standard. We really thought that after going up against Carolina Panthers, they really humbled them last week. But look what's after happening this week. For sure, it was the Lions last home game. They really bounced back against a really poor Chicago. And I think that's something that we need to remember is that Chicago were very poor yesterday and that the Lions, their offense looked unstoppable last night. They really and truly did, especially with Justin Fields having so many early struggles at the start of the game. I think what's really interesting is the Lions blitzed them at the start. The first quarter and a half, it was 28-point lead. You know, and Chicago were really shaking their heads, wondering how they were going to come back away from that. I just think that their playoff spot, it's there. They're playing against Packers, as we just found out on next Sunday night. It's going to be the very late game for us um, going into Monday morning. But I think that's where their playoff spot stops, unless they can pull out a whopper what they've done this week. And it needs to be all offense led. Well, they have a good offense anyway, right? So maybe there's a chance. Okay, uh, great stuff. Well, listen, let's move on to uh, the Browns at the Commanders. So 24-10. Uh, I think was the, the final score here and uh well the commander season's over as far as i can tell um um but maybe let's 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 hear a little bit more because I, I i don't exactly know how this this impacts other other areas column maybe give, give us give us the thoughts on on this browns commander's one 
Well, this is essentially now all about the recriminations in Washington. And they started pretty much once the game ended yesterday. Uh, you heard the sideline reporter talk about in a strong organization, uh, there would be questions asked and whether they should clear everything out. But um, ultimately, the feeling is Dan Schneider is waiting for the sale. The reason um, he's suggesting that there needs to be uh, questions asked is because Ron Rivera decided to roll the dice, talked about it uh, the other night, Riverboat Ron rolled the dice on Carson Wentz. And my goodness, uh, he lost everything. Um, disastrous performance um, from kind of start to finish. They never, ever got going against a Browns team who had nothing to play for. And really what kind of rubbed salt in the wounds for everybody was the fact that afterwards in the press conference, Kala, uh, Rivera didn't appear to know that they uh, could be eliminated yesterday. So a journalist asked a question about playing uh, the third choice QB next week, given uh, that they could be eliminated and Rivera didn't appear to know. So um, it, look, the, we talked about the commanders and the fact that um, their their owner is a truly odious individual and the sooner he's out of the league, uh, the better. Generally, we like Ron Rivera, but uh, he appeared to get just about everything that he could get wrong yesterday he got wrong. Yeah, well, even the, even the great ones have bad days, but perhaps several bad days. Also, I like that you started by saying there'll be recriminations in Washington, as if that's not a normal thing that happens there, or perhaps it isn't, depending on what kind of politics you follow. Um, okay, well, listen, uh, maybe you give us your take on it, Brian, as well. Is there anything else to add to that around Ron Rivera and the whole uh, stuff that happened? No, I would double down on the Ron Rivera situation as well. He's 33-41-2 in his five years as head coach, and if it wasn't for the off-the-field situation around the ownership and potential sale of the organization i'd imagine he would be he would have lost his job or certainly lose his job at the end of the season that's five seasons in a row with a losing record kind of masked by one year where he made the playoffs with a losing record the year in which the bucks went on to win the super bowl and look he was getting clearly frustrated with with uh, taylor honey over the past few weeks in terms of the turnovers he went back to wins as colin said it was the last roll of the dice Wentz had three turnovers yesterday and uh, uh clowny the browns uh Defensive end uh, said said yesterday after the press conference that within the group during the week they were delighted when they heard that Carson Wentz was playing the game. They knew they were going to win because they knew what they were going up against. And once they put pressure on Carson Wentz, inevitably he's going to throw the ball wayward and the interceptions will come. I'll be interested to see what they do this weekend. The commanders, okay, the season's over for them. They've got a big game against the Cowboys. Cowboys will obviously will have to win, as Mark rightly called it a few minutes ago. And Sam Howell is a quarterback they, they drafted last year. He's never got an opportunity this season. Maybe this will be the game in which they give him a chance. And maybe they should have went to him sooner because, you know, maybe he would have been the better <laughs> better solution throughout the course of the season. They're in, they're in a quarterback hell. Like, there's so many teams in the league that are trying to find the right quarterback. But, I mean, Carson Wentz, they conned the Colts last year when he got traded there. and um, he, They conned the commanders. His, his team did it again in terms of getting the trade there because he's just, I think, his time in the NFL is coming to his fifth end in terms of him potentially being a starter anywhere else. Browns, Deshaun Watson, I would say, looked more comfortable yesterday. Looked like Deshaun Watson evolved. It's taken him a couple of weeks to get back into the swing of it. Having not played for the Bones in two years, he certainly looked more um, dominant yesterday and certainly looked like the quarterback evolved when he was with the Texans. 
Fair enough. Um, and I wonder, just you threw a thought to me there, quarterback hell. I wonder who lives in quarterback hell. Perhaps we could put that question out to uh, the comments. Who would? Who, who do you think lives in quarterback hell? Um, all right, we will move on with that spirited thought uh, to talk about the Niners at the Raiders. So I suppose we all expected um, a, a convincing win for the Niners. But, you know, in fairness, it was kind of a mad game and I, I think it, am I right in thinking it went to overtime and it was, it was very close to like it was like 37 34 um Christine I see you nodding there T- talk to me talk to me about this one and, and what, what what happened here you know what I covered social media yesterday for the six o'clock games and the nine o'clock games were such a letdown my adrenaline was pumping I was fired this was the best game I almost turned off football which is very rare for me to be honest with you Look, at yesterday was an amazing, amazing game. It just goes to show how, again, it was all the Christian McCaffrey show. It really and truly was. Brock Purdy couldn't have gone wrong. He had one bad throw yesterday, which was really interesting. McCaffrey rushed 121 yards, six passes and 72 yards, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the third time he surpassed 1,000 yards in this season for and touchdowns in five games. Five consecutive games he's had touchdowns and just goes to show again when the ball is given to him how great he is i love the way he owns after popping up that comment as well about adam's catch towards the end of the game that is something that you know again there was seven receptions for adams yesterday 153 yards and two touchdowns he was on fire for sure this this game just went toe for toe we questioned him at the start of the week last weekend coming into the game yesterday but he really came to fruitation yesterday. The question is, is he very similar to what Brock Purdy is doing? You know, both quite young, both kind of very new to where they are, not really playing games beforehand. Will he be the QB for Raiders next year? Not quite sure. Brady is still in that name for contention. And we've had this conversation offline this week where I was saying Colts and Raiders need to stop going for old QBs. It hasn't worked. They need to go for a young QB, build it up, do exactly what the Steelers is doing and what other teams are doing. And the Jags is doing, look at Trevor Lawrence. And they could go forward with that. I really think yesterday's nine o'clock game, Saints and Raiders was the best one for me out of all of the nine o'clocks. Nice. Mark, what about you? What did you take away from this one? Well, well, in fairness, Chris, they did try and go young. They did draft Derek Carr. They, you know, they avoided the, the fact that his brother had been sacked into oblivion in the Texans and said, look, hey, we're going to give this kid a shot. And they draft him in the second round. And uh, that marriage is clearly over. Obviously, they've benched him for the last two games of the season. They'll, you know, uh, to say to give Stidham a chance, the reality is Carr's contract is guaranteed against injury. So therefore, if he gets injured in the last two games, cutting bait with him, which is essentially what they can do at the end of the season, uh, becomes non-feasible with the cap. So, you know, that's why he's gone. Stidham comes in. He knows Josh McDaniel's offense. He worked with him at the Patriots for a number of years as a backup. So he has some advantages there. But by God, did he come in and play ball through for more yards than Derek Carr has in any game in all season uh, long and yes, Owen is right to call out that Adams catch and certainly the questionable nature of that. But ultimately, this game was a great tussle. Brock Purdy is certainly still very Purdy, and we were briefly on on a chat talking at one point about the the 49ers offense and, and when they get Samuel back, you've got players, you've got Samuel McCaffrey and Ayuk who can all easily be on the field at the same time, can all run the ball, and you absolutely have to account for them in the receiving game. Not even turning to Kittle, not even considering Elijah Mitchell, who's been on IR and needs to come back. 
Uh, not even considering the fact that they've had so much riches with the run game that they traded Mostert and they traded um, Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins, even in season, obviously, after the McCaffrey pickup. Uh, they are so multiple. Basically, they need Purdy to be Tom Brady in 2002. Don't make silly mistakes. Make the throws, short throws, safe throws on third down when you need to, and let the defense and the run game and that O-line take care of business the rest of the way. I, I kind of want to go just with the little Nigel Farage point, by the way, Calais. I think earlier Don't. in the year, <laughs> I predicted that the San Francisco 49ers would make the Super Bowl. And seven weeks into the season, they were sitting at three and four. And there was some gentle mocking uh, of that prediction that came up. Well, as Nigel Farage told the uh, European Union at one point, you're not laughing anymore. Nine wins on the bounce, 12 and four, now sitting in second place. And I happened to be going to Santa Clara on the 101 uh, for the divisional weekend. So uh, they might even have a home playoff game if they win out against Arizona next week to enjoy that. And, of course, they win the wildcard round. Very important. So um, all pointing the right direction in San Fran. For the Raiders, the offseason is going to be fascinating. That's all I'll say. Awesome. Ryan, did you have something very quickly, very, very quickly to throw in? Yeah, I don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction to Stidham's performance yesterday, but he was a third-round pick for the Patriots, and he couldn't stay healthy in his time in New England. So we've never really seen much of him at all. So like, maybe he will be the long-term long-term solution. He come over with Josh McDonald's. He knows the offense. He probably knew the offense better than Derek Carr did throughout the course of the season, which was probably reflecting reflective of the performance in which he put in yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see if it's. Uh, one of those situations where they'll just put it down to the end of season performance against the 49ers defense that's been really strong this year, or they, and they look for another quarterback. But maybe he, maybe the answer is in house after all. Indeed, uh, that was preferable to ending on a comment using Nigel Farage in any capacity, whether jet in jest or otherwise. Uh, let's the less talked about him, the better. Okay, Jets at Seahawks is the next one we're going to talk about, <laughs> and uh, I think I'll jump straight in just uh, without me saying any preamble. Uh, maybe Brian, why don't you take it away on this one? It was 23 6, I think, was the Seahawks win. Yeah, look, this game was was over very early. The Jets just didn't, didn't seem prepared for this game. I mean, we keep going on about the Jets, like we all picked them again, and we all keep referring to this real strong defense throughout the course of the season, but Mark said they've lost four games, I've actually now lost five games in a row. So that's how, look, but that's how damning it is. And the defense that was, for the, for the half, first half of the season, we looked really strong. I was looking at the numbers today, like they gave up 107 yards on the ground to the Lions, they gave up 147 yards um, against the Jags last week, and they gave up another ton yesterday to Kenneth Walker with a 60-yard run on the, on the very opening play of the game. Um, offensively, they couldn't get anything going on. For the Seattle defence, that's been really poor of late and it's kind of regressed from what we saw earlier in the season. Going up against what was supposed to be another dominant offensive line as well. Um, with, with the Jets, it just it wasn't it wasn't the case yesterday. In fact, it was the opposite way around because on the other side, the Jets' defence couldn't get anything going against an offensive line that has two rookies playing. And they had a good start to the season and they kind of, you know, kind of fell back a little bit. But yesterday, it looked like the Seahawks of all. The Seahawks have put themselves in a position where they can potentially make the playoffs next week but it's a big ask to be honest bearing in mind the Packers game and stuff but look for the Jets like there's suggestions today that maybe Salah won't be even the head coach next season that Woody Johnson is now getting impatient 
And it was like, if they had won seven games at the start of the season, most Jets fans would have said, that's great. They might even win eight if they win next week in Miami. But it's more about the, the manner of how the season plays out now that they've lost five games consecutively. Just talking about maybe the head coach not being there next season. Another interesting off-season ahead for the Jets, as always. Your take on it then, Mark, uh, given that there's maybe a slim chance here for the Seahawks after this? Yeah, there, there is a slim chance. They've got to win, and then they've got to hope that the Lions beat the Packers. That's their only pathway. They need both results to go their way, um, and that will be the magic formula for them uh, to, 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 to get in. Um, the reality of this game is, yeah, I, I picked the Jets. I thought actually Mike White coming back in, that was going to be the spark. That's what they needed. They needed to get their, their game on effectively. Um, and I have immense uh, respect for Robert Sattler as a coach and, and what he has done generally in turnaround. But the, the sad reality is now the Jets are seventh season in a row with a losing record, haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. I mean, 12 seasons in a row. I had hair back in 2011. That's how long ago it was, you know. Um, this this um, this was not a good end to the season. We talk, I mentioned it earlier about the swoon of the Dolphins, the swoon of the Jets, and, you, you know, a few weeks ago, we wouldn't have foreseen it. Um, but the Seahawks, again, deserve all the credit. We've talked long and hard about Carol and Schneider's moves. But the move to bring in Geno Smith and what he's delivered, he's actually now completed a clean sweep of all his former employers. He beat the Chargers, he beat the Giants, and now he beat the Jets. Um, uh, and for me, he should be nailed on comeback player of the year. He's had a, a fantastic season from the, the precipice of, uh, I won't say uncertainty, again, to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, I'll say uh, the precipice of doom and uh, you know forever being perpetually cast as a backup. Uh, he has definitely earned a starter job, maybe at Seattle, maybe elsewhere um, uh, in due course. And yeah, it's great that they were in with a shot. I will give one shout out as well to Mr. Brian O'Leary, who at the start of the season predicted the Seahawks would have 13 wins on the year. Um, he actually said nine. He actually said nine. We've just added a, a win every quarter of the season. But he said the Seahawks would have nine wins. And sure enough, they go into the last game of the season with every chance of going nine and eight and having those nine wins. So, uh, uh, fair play. Shout Mr. out there. I have to keep yeah. ready for next week to win. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Heisenberg's it, it, uncertainty principle, but O'Leary's certainly principle. I it's more about the reaction of Colin. Colin, at the time, if you get a cup of tea, I think he nearly, he nearly spit it out on, yeah. on, his, uh, on his dashboard. So it'll be interesting to see. Sorry, well, his keyboard. No driving while we're doing podcasting, please. <laughs> okay. Right. We'll move on to the, the last game of the weekend that we're going to talk about, and then we'll, we'll do a little uh, chit chat on the Monday Night Football uh, as well. So this is Steelers at the Ravens. Um, pretty low score in one. I think 16-3 was the final score. I'm going to go to uh, you first, Christina. Tell us uh, tell us your thoughts on this one. Look, at, this just goes to show Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are not going away. Simple as they're just not going away. This game really epitomized how the Steelers and Ravers have been over the last few years. Two teams, bruising defenses, absolutely killing one another. Typical Steelers-Ravens game. Starts on a point-by-point -point basis. You know, I have a Steelers fan at home. And I can tell you the house was shaking after the win last night. I think we also need to remember that this Steelers team is very, very young. They don't have a lot of veteran people there. It's all powered by young rookies, young guys who've just come in over the last year or so, and they've just taken a long time to get together. You can really see, though, since TJ Watt has come back, 
how much influence he has on that team, how he brings them all together, that it's no longer just Cam Hayward's voice in the background. Everyone listens and respects him and really fears him. Kenny Pickett again this week just went to show again why he was that real rookie choice. He was amazing, really, really amazing. And he threw some passes that if Mahomes actually threw them passes themselves, it would have been called throw of the year. Some catches as well. Again, it would have been catch of the year. But again, because it's not these long-standing quarterbacks we're used to being able to see, it's just never been noted for sure. The Ravens, they're just full of injuries. They really and truly are. And again, you know, they're really limping to the playoffs. It happened last year. It's happening again this year. If Lamar comes back, what Lamar will we get? Will we get Lamar that's afraid to be injured again and risk being out for the rest of the season? Or will he come back all guns blazing? And I definitely think the next two weeks is going to be interesting to see for sure how both teams are going to play out. Nice one. And I'm not sure if it was my audio or a slip of the tongue, but I thought you said Steelers versus Ravers. And I was like... Now that's a sh- the matchup I want to see. Okay, Colin, what was your take on it? Was it was it a rave or was it a, a steely steely fight? What, what what's your make of it? Yeah, I too heard ravers, and uh, I was wondering were we going to you know hear some two unlimited come on in the the background? Um, for look, th- this is I said it on the the show the other day. Brian said about you know what was the most important figure? It's Magic Mike Tomlin. When you have divisional games at the end of the uh, year, and you are kind of fighting for uh, for your playoff chances and fighting to keep both five out. I don't think there's anyone you would want more uh, than Mike Tomlin. Um, he loves beating up on his divisional rivals. And you saw it last night. You went and you saw Najee take the towel. Um, the Steelers are known for the terrible towels, but the Ravens had their own towels. And Najee went over and took it. George Pickens absolutely loved every second of winding up the Ravens fans. This is what Mike Tomlin Steelers are all about. And they will thoroughly look forward to the matchup next week. Some teams worry about divisional matchups and all the stress and pressure that comes with it not the uh not the the Steelers um for the the Ravens yeah I think Christine has covered a lot of it it's it's all about getting Lamar back um because right now they they struggle so much to to score points um but the you know the Steelers are in with a chance and and a decent chance you would have to say of sneaking into the playoffs and for them where there was an awful lot of doubt and where people asked all sorts of questions of Kenny Pickett I really think the era of 24-7 news media and social media has broken people's brains people expect young QBs to come into the league and be instantaneous superstars for them never to make a mistake uh, for there to be no need for them to transition from college it does take time um, and can, has Kenny Pickett been lights out no but has Kenny Pickett improved throughout the year and put them in a position to be where they are with with a, a puncher's chance of, of getting there absolutely so yeah really really interested in obviously that week 18 matchup nice one Mark, did you want to come in very quickly there? Uh, yeah, Kelly, just I suppose, I mean, if you stayed up for this, uh, you were uh, thinking of the Ravers theme, suffering with insomnia. Uh, you can't get worse. <laughs> and RIP Maxi Jazz in that regard. But, um, we, uh, we talk about the Steelers and we talked about who in the AFC has gone off the boil. Like, credit where credit's due. They've won five out of their last six. They've won four in a row away from home. Um, they are quite literally unbelievably given the start of the year 
the hottest team in that race. And as Christina said, um, you know, you can't ever kill them. They're like a cross between Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, for Christ's sake. So, um, yeah, they they need they need they need this sequence of events though. Just let's remember, they have to beat the Browns. Patriots lose to the Bills. Well, that's probably a little bit easier in that regard. But they also then need the Jets to win. They need to beat the Dolphins for the the, the Steelers to get in, and that might be the trickiest part of their combination ahead. Um, but they could hit the trifecta. Who knows? Very good. Jason versus Michael versus Ravers. That's the one I'm taking away from that. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Football while we still have a few minutes left. Um, so this is the Bills up against the Bengals. It's a pretty pretty good um, good matchup here. Um, now, uh, just just to note that Columns actually put out a couple of really quality podcasts in the last few days with uh, the sort of the Buffalo and the Cincy stuff. Uh, so check that out as well, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, let me hear from uh, each of you. Perhaps I'll go to you uh, first, Brian, and then maybe Christina, Colin, Mark, um, on this one, Monday night. Well, where we spoke last week and the last few was around the scheduling of the NFL and how they pick certain games out, like, for example, the Broncos and the Rams on Christmas Day. Everybody thought that was going to be two teams challenging for the playoffs and few other games that just didn't materialise. Even Mark spoke earlier about the Chargers and the Rams in, in, you know, in LA last night. The NFL have got this one bang on the money. This is a huge, huge game. It's arguably the biggest game of the season. There's so many different storylines that can be written within this game. I mean, if the Bengals win, the Bills go from being the one seed to the three seed. The Bengals leapfrog into two, the Chiefs move into one. Or, or the Bills go and win this game and essentially Put the Ravens back in with an opportunity of winning the division next weekend because then they could they could go into Cincinnati win that game despite their injuries and win win the division. So there's just so many storylines going into this game. And this has the makings of a great game. I mean, these we're talking about the hottest teams in the league. You can argue these two are the hottest two as well in the AFC. The Bengals have been in rich vein of form. Joe Burrow is playing at the level we saw last year, and the similarities to their season this year is so like last year. They started off very slowly got it going, then they went into the playoff super hot and they went on the run to the Super Bowl and obviously we got to watch them in person there last February in LA. And for the Bills, this game is so crucial because we've spoke time and time again about how they need this number one seed. If they go on the road, whilst they have a great side, there's always playoff games that are just crazy and you just never know what to expect. If they, if everybody has to come into to Armour Park in Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl, it changes everything. For the game itself, I'm going to side with the Bengals. I just... For some reason, I just was the Bills should win. I think the Bengals right now at home in particular have something going, and I just think it'll be an absolute crazy atmosphere. And we have a few Bengals fans that we, me and Colin met, met in uh, in the Super Bowl who've been in touch this week, and they're really looking forward to going to the game tonight. I think the Bengals will win a very close, high-scoring game. Okay, Bengals. Christina, what's your take? I have to agree with Brian um, for sure. You know, lot the Bengals haven't actually lost a home game since week one, which was actually to the Steelers. How crazy is that? Um, and you know what? They actually done that by missing an extra point out of all the things. Um, but I think Burrow and Jamar are definitely going to want to put on a show this week. They're definitely going to want to show that they are contenders for the going forward into the playoffs. I do think that, you know, Burrow is going to win. He is the second in the league for passes um and also for touchdowns he's got a 69% completion um I know Buffalo is doing really well I get that 100% but I do think it's going to be Bengals now I actually don't have them as high as what Brian is predicting I'm actually only saying it's going to be about a three-point win for them but I'm going with the Bengals 
All right, Bengals again. Callum, what about you? Uh, this is interesting, and um, Mark right, rightly yeah, gave uh, Brian his kudos earlier on uh, for his Seahawks prediction. But during our season preview show, uh, I, I got many things wrong, Kala, but I was the sole person to say that the Bengals would win their division. And yet tonight, as impressed as I am with them, I am siding with the Bills. And, and the reason for that is I think that the Bills are obsessed with having the number one seed and having home field advantage for the playoffs. I don't think the Bengals are as concerned about that. I think the Bengals can kind of go, will go on the road and, and just uh, get, get on with it. It's how they go about their business. But I think for the, the Bills, having gone through what happened to them uh, last year, they feel that having uh, people have to go through Buffalo uh, will make a real difference. And uh, for, for that reason, I'm going to say that they will do it. But this is an, an interesting one because the Bills are without Von Miller. The Bengals are without uh, Leo Collins. And so uh, it will be interesting to see uh, can because he has been integral to keeping Burrow upright. Um, so it will be a, a close matchup, I feel. But for me, the Bills just edge it. Okay. And Mark? Close us out. What's your take on tonight's game? Yeah, um, well, the Bills, uh, Calais, in the same token, when the uh, Dolphins and the Jets were vying for the AFC divisional title and many people were saying, oh, the Dolphins are going to overtake the Bills and, and things like this, and they've gone into their late swoon. The Bills, like the, the wonderful Patriots teams the last 20-odd years, just put the foot on the gas, put their foot on the throat to their opposition, and have ground out the wins to yet another divisional title, pole position yet again for the first seed. And, um, sorry, yet again, your pole position for the first seed, obviously uh, in very strong contention with the Chiefs there. And it's in their hands. They win tonight. They beat the Patriots at home in Buffalo next week. They are the number one seed in the AFC. They get their bye, uh, and they only have three games to win to bring home that elusive Super Bowl to Buffalo. Um However, the reality is that their performance at times has been um, patchy. Um, they have not played as consistently well, I would say, this season, especially on defense, as they played last season. And it's remarkable I'm saying that because they're in a better position this year round. But actually, I would say their regular season performance last season, again, especially on defense, and they have been struggling with injuries, was actually superior. And... The Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, these aren't your mama's bungles uh, going on here. They are not only previously been in the Super Bowl, they are quite simply one of the hottest teams in the NFL at the moment in the last few weeks. Them and the 49ers, I would say in the second half of the season, have been the two star performers of the entire league. Um, they, The Bengals have one key problem tonight. I can't just lose it. Leo Collins went on IR. They're going to start Adenji or Prince at right tackle. Adenji was a walking turnstile for much of the playoffs last year. Um, and if the Bills were starting, still had Von Miller in place, for example, uh, and their defense was at the level it was at last year, I would put all the chips in the world on the Bills. But for some reason, I'm going to go with the hot hand. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. I'm going to go with the Bengals. There is a little bit of me, and I have to admit my bias here, there is a little bit of me that if the Bills lost 
and they were more locked into the third seed, they might go easier and rest some starters against the Patriots next week. So maybe there's just a little bit of prayer in this for me as well. Um, but um, hand on heart, I think I'll go with the Bengals. But it's going to be a barnstorm of a game. Brian summed it up great. This is going to be a great game, cracking Monday night football game to finish off the Monday night slots for this season. Um, and can't wait. It's got real kudos and got real um, importance to it. Absolutely. It's almost as exciting as the Irish NFL podcast, which is now nearly at its conclusion uh, tonight. Do we want to flash up any more comments, Brian, before we go? Or uh, I know you've been flashing them up there as, we, as we've gone along. A lot of people shouting out uh, Bengals and Bills and lots of other bits and pieces. There's been a lot of talk recently around uh, catches and what's a catch and what's not a catch. And we saw recently that the, the pages were on the wrong end with the Raiders and uh, Owen is saying, can we talk about the Adams catch in the Niners game near the end? Did the NFL know where the catch is? The ground here clearly helped him. Um, it's been one of these common teams throughout the course of the season. Every officiating group sees things very differently in the NFL. So can I can I make one point on this from a rule clarification point of view, though? Because you do hear Mike Pereira. We've had Dean Blandino on, and they talk about this all the time. It's not automatically invalidated a catch if the ball touches the ground. And Owen's point is right, though. If the ground helps you secure the catch, then it's, you know, deemed an incomplete pass. But if you're in the process of catching the ball, you're deemed to have possession and the ball still touches the ground at the end or in the continuum of that, it can still be ruled a catch. I mean, I do think they've improved it a lot more from the uh, the way back when Des Bryant debacle, um, fail Marys, things like, you know, I mean, that, that was replacement rest, but the Des Bryant and what a catch was a few years ago was appalling. And I do think it's got a lot better. Um, but it's always going to be one of those controversial things. The same thing with has the ball crossed the line and we rely upon men with sticks of 10 yards of a billion dollar franchise to kind of go, oh, yeah, 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 There's it's fourth and inches. There's only this much uh, left, between, you know, to go. Honestly, yeah. those are the rules I barely understand there's about a hundred of them when there's a flag on the play and someone's like it was a blah 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 they might as well have said because honestly I, I can't keep up and that's that's anyway that's just me uh that's why i'm here to ask you experts uh all right i think that's enough for tonight's uh review um it's been a night of humble pie and heisenberg principles and all kinds of madness, uh, things that just elevate the talk about the game. So thank you all our panelists here tonight. Thanks to Christina, to Colm, to Mark and to Brian. Thanks to everybody who was tuning in and sharing their uh, comments as we went. And thanks for listening. And we'll catch you all next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>